Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Commerce Show. Today, I'm really excited to receive Jake Carls, co-founder of Middate Squares. They have a wonderful story to tell, and I'm really excited to receive Jake because he's one of the brand builder of this business, but he's also a really good storyteller. Um, I've discovered his podcast over his website. It's amazing for a chocolate bar company to, to have you know, their own podcast. It's amazing. So um, I've decided to reach him out in the comments uh, on LinkedIn to invite him on over the show. He accepted. Uh, so I'm really excited about it. He's a young entrepreneur. He has a lot of success with the business. They have over 60 employees. They've reached uh, over 5 million of uh, chocolate bar that has been sold over the last year. So it's it's really impressive for a young brand, a young three years old brand. So I'm really excited to have him on the show. So stay with us, subscribe on YouTube, Spotify and everything if you like the show. And thank you for being with us. The podcast starts right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Commerce Show. Today, I'm with Jake Carls from Midday Squares. Hello, Jake. How are you? What's up, Philip? I'm doing good, man. I just, did, I just did a speaking at a high school. It was really hard because usually when I do speaking engagements um, about the business and just entrepreneurship and all that stuff, um, I usually do it with like either MBA students or like, you know, people yeah. in our industry. So it's an elder, more, it's more, it's an elderly population doing grade seven, eight, nine, ten is quite hard of a crowd. So nice, I just finished that. Nice. It was fun. It was fun. Did, did they were there for the chocolate bar or for the story? You know, I like to say they come for the, they take the, they like the chocolate bar, but they stay for the story. So the story <laughs> ends up keeping them in. But those type of, um, of uh, intervention in, you know, in high school and lower stage of, uh, of age, it's, it's really important for, for children to de develop their knowledge of it's possible for you to start a business. It's possible to, to, for you to, to do things and change the world. And I think it's, it starts at that age. So it's really amazing, but I get the fact that maybe you didn't had any tricky questions about what's your mar go to market strategy in the U S and everything, but I guess they were amazed for sure. I know you're a talented guy and talented speaker, so <laughs> I'm not uh, not worried that they had fun and uh, really good the chocolate bar. Uh, yeah, so, I wanted to leave them with yeah. one thing. I wanted to leave them with go out there and do be you, like be unapologetically yourself and make decisions not by judgment of others, but for what you actually want to do. And that was the the the, the big message I wanted them to relate because at a young age, you know how important it is to not do what others think or your friends want to do or just your parents or this society. You got to try to do what you want to do and let that either fail or succeed. That's, that's really amazing. That's a, that's a, that's a good thing that you're doing that and take of your, you know, really busy time, I guess, for the growth you have uh, to do that. That's, that's really cool. Um, so I know you've, you're a uh, young entrepreneur. Uh, you're 28, I think 29, 28 as of la uh, two weeks ago. Oh, nice. Nice. Really, really cool. Happy birthday uh, in Ladewood. <laughs> so you've launched uh, Midday Squares a few years ago, three years actually. Uh, would it be possible for you to explain to us uh, a little bit about your background and how you, you became a snack bar entrepreneur? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. My my story's crazy. So for me, I went to university in at Western University. It's in Southwest Ontario. It's London, Ontario. It's a fun school. It's like a party school, actually. And I studied to be an actuary, um, which is oh, shit. basically <laughs> hardcore statistics and math. Yeah, so not me. Um, I did it because I thought, you know, everyone would think I'm cool if I got a cool paying job or like I thought it would be like, you know, bold to get that degree. Long story short, I ended up doing really bad in school and I was really good at like other things like throwing parties, like socializing, (laughs) you know, doing all the fun stuff. But I was I was able to gather people together and build that community and excitement. And when I was doing that, I never realized that was my skill set or my superpower, but I did realize that I loved it and I hated everything about school at the time. I ended up getting my degree, but not in actuarial science. I dropped that and I went into financial economics, graduated. Then I started a business called Chase and Hunter, which is okay. um, a clothing business that brought me back to college campuses because I wanted to party again. <laughs> Basically, I would, th- <laughs> I would throw parties, yeah. make it really cool, and then build a pop-up shop on campus and sell okay. the actual clothing. And it was just college stuff. It was like sweaters, T-shirts, hats, crop tops you know, leggings, but with the logo Chase and Hunter and everyone loved it. The whole, all of Canadian universities like Western Queens, McGill, um, I think even did UDM. I I can't remember all these schools. We ended up building all this hype and noise and even the NFL heard about it. It was crazy. But what I was good at was creating the noise and storytelling, but operating the business. I was terrible. I was absolutely disastrous. I was losing money, but I didn't even know what I was doing, but I was having so much fun. Long story short, I closed that. Okay. Because my ex-girlfriend at the time broke up with me out of nowhere after three and a half years. And I, I, I was kind of lost. I was like, yeah. yo, what do I do? You know, like I, I'm not going to go back to colleges and throw parties, live on fraternity beds and, you know, live that crazy life. I have no yeah. purpose anymore. My sister and my brother-in-law, who are my partners in Midday Squares, came to me and said, do you want to join? This is all the great timing. She's like, do you want to join our, our, our snack bar business, chocolate bar business um, that we're about to launch in two months? Wow. And I was like, I was like, excuse me, I was like, fuck no, because think about the industry. It's so saturated. You got oh, so yes. many protein bars. You got so many chocolate bars. I was like to them, I love you both as entrepreneurs, but I ain't going to join you on this journey. I'm going to figure out my own stuff. Maybe go work for another company, do, do all that excitement. But then they said to me, be the third co-founder, but all you got to do, your job is to be you, just be you and make noise. So then I thought about it and I was Mm. like, I'm good at that. I get to finally do what I want, not have to worry about the operating stuff, the, all the accounting, the, this, the, that, the, I could just do the fun stuff that was fun to me and build noise. And I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm in. And I joined as the third partner and we launched in August, 2018. And the rest is a story. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So ah, just another question top of mind, because I saw that uh, it was your sister. So how is it to be in business with family? So, you know, what's interesting. I, and Philip, I love saying this because we didn't go into business because we're family members. We went into business because the three of us complement each other's skill sets. So mm. for example, I'm a high extrovert that really knows how to build community. My brother-in-law is a software engineer who understands data. He understands performance marketing to treat it like, you know, data analysis and rather on that end, he came from that space specifically. And my sister is an executor. So she actually built the factory, built the product and knows how to get that done. So she's our current CEO, but none of us touch each other's stuff. 
hmm. which is really cool. So we we also see a business therapist once a week um, to make sure that our partnership remains really strong. Oh yeah, oh. not just as par partners but as family. Oh, that's that's. I think it's really important. It's like to see a psychologist uh, by yourself for yourself when you're in business to have like a coach that maintain the the good relation. That's that's amazing and and when you grow a business it comes with you know good responsibility and good challenge so i guess it's it's really important that that's amazing let's talk about the the idea behind uh the product so uh your your sister and your brother-in-law uh, had the idea uh of the product and then you joined can you tell us why they decided to grow in that so crowded market <laughs> and then we'll jump into the next question which yeah. we'll explain i guess <laughs> Yeah, dude. So it all, it all began with my sister. She was in fashion okay. and my brother-in-law had a software business in ad tech and he loved chocolate so much. They both did, but he like would eat it every single day. And I'm talking like chocolate. That's not really good for you. So like the Kit Kats, the O'Henry's, the Tabarnak coffee crisps, like all those good, those good little tasty bars from the big companies. And she, my sister said, I can make you an alternative to that chocolate make it functional and use real ingredients. It will be dark chocolate and an indulgent, but you won't have to feel that crash of energy or that, mm. that bloatedness. And she's like, there's no way I'm going to like it, but I'll, well, why not? So she made it for him, what we call the midday square, but this was for fun in 2016. And then when he ended up selling out of his software business, he had a two year non-compete. So he couldn't go into the tech space and he was reading a report from his cousin at Smucker's Corp that basically showed yep. that real chocolate was growing at 44% year over year. So real chocolate is anything above 55% cocoa mass, darker chocolate made with cocoa butter, not palm kernel oil. And that vegan protein or plant proteins were growing at 36% year over year, probably higher now. But it all clicked in his head that, oh my God, yes, it looks so saturated from the outside, this bar industry. But if you make a baby of those two those two reports, it came together that Leslie, my sister was actually making it. She was making a baby of a chocolate bar meets a protein bar, but gets rid of the junk that's in protein bar and stays on the chocolate side and being an indulgent. Mm. And it was a white space. And uh, that's when they approached me. And I said, I said, I gave him a no for two months. And then I gave him a yes. And uh, yeah, August 2nd, I think, or August 22nd, I can't remember the exact date, 2018, we launched um the actual company oh that's uh, that's amazing and it's exactly the reflex i had like a few few days ago when uh, i realized that we were gonna talk together i was like okay i never tried the, the product but i do realize that in my you know daily lifestyle i eat reese three pieces of reese per day most of the time it's the part of my fun you know daily so i went on your website i saw the peanut butter one and it's coming out <laughs> Yes, I, I, I want to replace that. it. I want to replace it with something that I will feel less, uh, yeah, less uh, crap. <laughs> yeah, the truth. Well, Philip, the truth was, is we wanted to create an afternoon snack that basically yep. at 2 p.m. when you crave that chocolate or sweets, we bring you this snack and it fills you up for four hours. So it gets you from that 2 p.m. to that 6 p.m. And no one was doing the afternoon. Everyone was focused on breakfast bars or protein or pre or pre-post-workouts. Yeah. So we focus on the afternoon chocolate space. And would it say, would you say that it's the main point that differentiates your bar, bars than, you know, versus all the others, or there's other things like uh, glucids and uh, like sugar in the bar yeah. and everything. So, uh, 
What's just just so people understand well uh, while listening to the podcast because I'm not sure everyone knows already the brand. Yeah. But yeah, three three things. First off, we had to build our factory. So in a lot of the time in the food space, you actually co-pack your product. So a ma another manufacturer like that you third party yeah. builds the product because they could scale it. You know, for us. Um, we went to 26 across North America and 24, so they were unable to make it. The best bar, the, the best bar manufacturers would say they can't make it because it's so complex. And then two said they would, but it would need a $3 million investment. So we just said, screw it. We're going to go build our own custom machinery <laughs> and, and build a, a three to $4 million factory here in Montreal, Quebec. And the government of Quebec actually helped out a lot, which is really cool. Um, they support entrepreneurship really well. Um, and yeah, that was, that's number one. So to copy the product will take a lot of time, um, for, at scale right now, yep. we could produce 90,000 bars per day if we want to, um, <laughs> which, is a, which is a lot, which is about 70 million of revenue per year. If, if at capacity, um, nice. number two, number two is we focused on using real food ingredients. So making real chocolate and real food ingredients yep. was actually a, a, a competitive advantage because a lot of companies use artificial stuff, you know, preservatives, additives, chemicals, and we just didn't want to be part of that. And number three is it does what it says it does. So when we tell you it's an indulgent and also keeps you full for four hours, that's what it does. It, we, what we promise it actually does. Most companies have filler stuff. Bars are typically bloating or they don't fill you up for more than half an hour. We really wanted to give you that easy digestion and get you to your, to your next meal. That's uh, that's really amazing. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't wait to te to test it. That's uh, that's really interesting. All right, um, sounds good. So we're gonna jump uh, into the questions more about you know the e-commerce, but also the brand building because this uh, today's episode will be uh, really focused on on your strength, and I think it's really uh, about the brand and the story. So um, I've been following you on LinkedIn for for a while now, and I know something is that. Uh, midday squares has no regular customer they have fans okay and and i realized it and i want to understand why and how you did that so can you help us to understand how and why you cult cultivate that vibe around the brand and and how you do it and what's what's your ideas behind 100 it? very important this so when we started i realized that the supermarket so if you go to iga walmart sobeys Metro, Previgo, Loblaws, there's 40,000 different SKUs in the grocery store, 40,000 different products. That's a lot of product on the shelf. Yeah. Um, and then you got even more online. You got way more online. So what I said to my partners, I said, we need to figure a way to not just innovate the product development, but to innovate the way we interact with our consumers. And I said, the way we do this is if, if you look at the space in 2018, Shark Tank was on a tear in terms of, you know, entrepreneurship being celebritized and that Kardashians shows like shows like the Kardashians and reality shows like that were on a tear. I said, let's make a baby of those two. Let's build a business on the idea of showing the good, the bad, the ugly, a glass door of everything that's going on in our business to share with our consumers and use social media as the vehicle to get that across. So make it like almost like a mini reality show every day, huh. showing the good, the bad, the ugly. And that means building characters. So kind of think of us like a, a boy or a girl band from the 90s, like Backstreet Boys or Spice Girls or okay. NSYNC, where instead of selling records, we sell chocolate. So the storytelling comes into effect of you get to know the personal life, the personal stories. And what that does is it 
takes away the attention barrier that's in this current world where, you know, no one has attention to read content anymore. So what happens is when they find something relatable, they actually want to listen to it or watch it or see it or, or, or do more research. And that's what relatability did is we, we, we invested in a media company to be within our company and to just tell the okay. story of how we build this business. Okay. So that, that's, that's interesting. So you've bought a company or you've became partner with a company that produced media? No. So we built it from the ground up. Oh, so okay, we okay. focused on building content creators, okay. producers, editors, videographers, photographers, um, to basically create a mini social media company within midday squares. I'd say that we spent about $600,000 on salaries just on that. Okay. So it's like a, a small agency inside your own business yes. to serve your needs. And we, it, it does make a lot of sense. <laughs> our, our investors thought we were crazy at first, but then they realized that the power of storytelling at its finest can do a lot of magic because think about it. If you're looking at our bar on the shelf and then, oh, sorry, in the gross, in, in the refrigerator and you see the other bar next to us, a competitor, and then you come to the shelf, the, the refrigerator and you say, oh my God, I know Jake, Nick and Leslie in the midday square scene. They're so cool. I just watched them do this whole thing at, at, uh, in the U S they just, you already have that connectivity and that connectivity will take you to buy our bar over the bar next to you because we're more of a community. We're, we're allowing our customers to feel like they're actually on this roller coaster with us, yeah. watching the emotions of the good and the bad. And I'm talking like being as transparent as possible allows them to really feel the emotions that we're going through. And that allows them to want to share this. They want to tell people, they want to go to their dinner table or on their social media and be like, oh my God, I fucking love this company because they're so real and authentic. And this is the truth of what happens in a business, not the garbage that, you know, you see the the picture perfect, you know, in every other business. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And and you talked about Shark Tank at, at first. Uh, have you ever think about going to Shark Tank or Dragon's Den or is it done yet? I'm not, I'm not sure about that. We can't do Shark Tank because we're not American. Yeah, sure. um, but. We, we had the opportunity to go on Dragons in a couple of times. We chose not to, uh, you know, we didn't need investment. Um, if we were to get on Shark Tank, we would go um, because I think it'd be fun and entertaining. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I'd have to get my citizenship first. Oh yeah, that's the, that's the first step. <laughs> yeah, that, that's amazing. And for the visibility that can bring you, you didn't want it or how you, you see that? Because I, I'm surprised of your, your answer, to be honest. Yeah, no. So we, 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 we haven't thought of it, to be honest with you. Um, we really believe that it's tough. I don't even have an answer. I can't even give you an answer because I, I don't know what the right answer would be because it's more like, I guess we would do it. I'm pretty sure we would. Um, we don't need investment right now. We have the right investors that we want. Okay. Um, so we, it would be a marketing play, I guess, but, uh, who knows? Yeah. It can have two side, uh, At the, at the end yeah. <laughs> can be also negative. So <laughs> yeah, a, exactly. Yeah. All right. That's, that's a good answer. <laughs> um, uh, just, uh, if, if we go back a little bit in time, uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, um, have you felt a change in, you know, your online business, uh, with, with the pandemic? And do you think customers have changed, uh, the way they buy online foods? Uh, we know that in Canada, Amazon fresh is almost there. Uh, so are you expecting, uh, and have you seen, uh, changes in the way people buy your stuff? 
So beginning of the pandemic, March, 2020, our retail sales, so not online, but our retail sales dropped 70% right off the bat because of priority of purchasing for, you know, I, I like to call it, they were buying wartime brands, things that, you know, I guess, get you through a war, like peas and carrots and bread, you know, like weird, shit, weird stuff, in my opinion. Um, so we actually lost that. And what we did is we met my, my two partners and I met and we said, we need to go fucking on the offense right now and go really hard on taking our budget from on from retail and put it to online because our online business was about 18% at the time, 20% maybe at most. And then now through over the pandemic, we basically invested in a lot more Facebook, Instagram ads, um, also YouTube. And then we invested in influencers. So we actually did a lot more influencer work and we figured out a key formula that works with the influencer where they do these six, six stories of a review of the product. Mm, okay. And then they do a swipe up. And it works. So we ended up jumping now to our business being 45% D2C, 55% retail. Wow. Okay. Um, we grew 190% during the pandemic. Um, also, our team grew. We were 26 people. Now we're 60. Um, you know, I think what we did was we just went really hard when everyone was going on the defense. We went really hard on the offense and we had everything built. You know, we just, we were so focused on physical retail before that, that um, we didn't give online the love that it, it, it deserved. Um, and then now, now we actually want to bring it back down to like a 35% D to C 65% wholesale over the next okay. year. Um, Amazon, we are top five bestseller in our category in Canada. Um, in the U S we're about, I think number 78, Amazing. 80, maybe. Um, but I think the online grocery game has changed. Um, okay. I think people like buying online, um, do I think it's going to be more than 20% of all purchasing 25? No, I think people still like to go to the store. It's something about going to a grocery store. They feel like they want to pick their fresh produce. They want to do all that stuff. Um, but I do think they're going to start buying some snacks more online rather than in grocery store. So we're, we're learning how to, because we're a refrigerated product, we're learning how to work with certain, some of these online uh, programs to be able to ship our product last mile logistics wise. Of course. Um, so it's going to be an interesting next, five years in the gross online grocery space yeah and and uh yeah i guess you have to send the product with with heist or you send it just directly into curricated box yeah we send it with an insulated box okay. with a reusable ice pack in the summer and then nothing in the winter because it's cold enough outside hmm. here in canada especially but um <laughs> yes. yeah yeah here, here in canada it's cold but in the u.s yeah. when we ship to california florida texas um yeah, yeah okay. we really use reusable ice packs and stuff so it keeps it cold. The bars could be out of the fridge for five days, but from a third party doing it and not us handling it, it makes us a little worried because who knows how they're going to pack it. And then it comes melted and then it's a whole problem. So it's going to be an interesting era for the fresh perishable stuff being shipped um, in the next five years. I'm yeah. curious to see how they do it. Yeah. Lots of transformation coming up, uh, like uh, buying your, uh, your fruits on Amazon and having it delivered. It's going to be uh, something. I heard that uh, Amazon Fresh has started to buy some grocery stores in Montreal to do some tests and, and start implementing the solution in Montreal. So uh, I hope uh, it will be uh, released soon. I really, I'm really That's excited. And I'm an Amazon enthusiast, if you don't know. So now, now you know. <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about Amazon uh, a little bit later. Uh, but I want to get back to your influencer thing because I haven't uh, wrote any questions about it. So I would like to know what is the formula you've discovered to... Uh, make your product work because I guess there's a lot of education uh, to be done to your customers so they can be aware of okay this type of product is a new functional 
bar, a new functional snack bar that you, you can enjoy during the day, you weren't thinking about buying that at the grocery store, but by now you can, and you have to educate people. So what have been your reflections around it? What have you tested that didn't work and now it's working? I'm really curious about that, if we can do a few minutes about that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So influencer strategy is basically, we believe it's the new shopping channel. So you remember QVC and you know shopping channel and all that stuff. We believe that influencers, the right ones, have trained their audiences to know that they're going to talk about products and those products they want to purchase. So it's literally the, the shopping channel. So we look for those type of influencers. Yeah. Um, typically, it's moms um, in the U.S. And what we do is we 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 watch them for a while okay. on their stories if they're active on stories because it's not the feed posts we care about. We care about the stories on Instagram. Okay. And basically, they'll do a six-story thing where they'll put the product in their refrigerator because it's a refrigerator product. They'll take it as if they're at their house, which they are, and then talk about why they love it and talk about the review of everything about how clean ingredients it is. Mm -hmm. It's it's so fresh. It doesn't bloat. It fills them up. And then we actually have our own pages created on, on our, on our website that are influencers pages. So it's for them specifically that it says like, Hey, let's say the person's name's Alexa. Hey, Alexa. Well, Hey, 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 this is from Alexa's following blah, blah, blah. And it's a custom page on our website and it's already applied the discount. So then okay. they get their discount. Yeah. So you and have like a landing page to, uh, to get the traffic out of, you know, the, the, the stories and tell them, okay, you're from the story of that influencers and welcome home. And this is why uh, you should, you know, buy from us. And yeah. by the way, your discount is already applied. So it's a, a specific funnel for, for that specific uh, influencer. And, That's interesting. And we bring them into our ecosystem. So the key is, is that like on that page, you'll see like a lot of content about us, like our podcast, you'll see some Instagram stuff, you'll see some cool other content. So we start to get you down a rabbit hole of finding out who we are, not just the influencer who brought you here, but um, you know, fall in love with us. And then we obviously the pixels and stuff like that. And, um, I think it's one of the most powerful strategies. It's definitely driving, you know, over a hundred thousand, 150,000 a month, maybe. Um, wow. we're aiming, we're sorry, we're aiming for 150,000 this month. Last month it was between 75 and a hundred. It does a lot. It, they, they push a lot of volume. Uh, like you mean, uh, unique visitors or sales, sales, dollar oh. sales. Hmm. Really interesting. That's uh, that's really amazing. And are you targeting more micro or more nano or bigger influencers? Have you discovered a strategy that works? Because I'm pretty sure most of our audience are always asking themselves questions about which which size of influencer would they have to reach. And uh, after that, I have a question about TikTok. <laughs> it's all it, yeah. It's mostly people. It's not even about the size of influencers. I guess some of them are five hundred thousand. Some of them are twenty thousand. Um, I think it's more about how engaged their community is with them. We look for the engagement. So we look at the stories, how much they respond to their, their customer, the, the people on their, on their page, how many likes they get, comments, views. Um, and then we analyze like that. And how often do they do products? Like we want people that talk about products because then they train their, their, their followers to, or their fans to, to appreciate customer, new cut, new product offerings. That's amazing. And do you have specific tools in mind that you use to, to analyze that? Or it's just your, you, you go on the page and you, well, we, you we used to, we used to, I think this company CGI or EGI, I can't remember the name. They help us find it. Okay. That's a, that's amazing. And, um, so I read, uh, yesterday an article on uh, Forbes about you, uh, congrats for this, by the way, it's a, it's a really nice media to be featured on. Um, 
about, you know, they were talking about your growth and the recent fundraising you had. So I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's uh, 6.5 million in venture capital, but also 3 million in debt with the government loans. And I understood uh, at that time that you were aiming for stars, <laughs> to the stars actually. And uh, can you tell us about, you know, why you've raised that amount of money and where you're heading with that amount? Yeah, so we raised about... 6.5 million USD from venture capital and then about 3.5 now from government debt. Okay. Um, so over $10 million and, you know, you know, our idea is to grow at a hundred plus percent year over year for, for, for a very long time. You know, our next growth spurt um, is to go from the $10 million revenue mark where we are now to the hundred million dollars in the next three to four years. Um, we have a clear path to doing it. We're gonna we're about to do another financial raise um, to go get it um, in October-ish, September, which would be a um, either a ten or a fifteen million dollar USD round of venture capital um, and pri and private investment. Um, but again, the goal is to build a modern day Hershey. It's to really build a chocolate conglomerate here in Quebec, kind of like how Saputo did it for dairy here in Montreal. Love it. We want to do the same thing, but for the better for you chocolate snacking space. And, you know, we really want to do it here in Quebec and build factories here and consistently do that. And that's why the government's been helping out a lot. Um, but yeah, we're reaching for the stars and, you know, I finally, we're getting featured in the right publications, you know, business insider, Forbes, uh, food navigator, food business news, um, Buzzfeed, Yahoo, I don't know all those things. And, and for us, we never done We never had a PR strategy. This is just us storytelling and them seeing it and being part of it and wanting to write about it. Oh, yeah, I was about to ask you that. Like, uh, do you have any PR? So you have no no PR strategy. You're just hustling and reaching out, or or they've contacted you. So how the the process to be featured in, in Forbes happened? Was it the, the, you uh, you reaching them, or they no, reached to you? And no. So we uh, there's <laughs> excuse me. So we had a journalist. Uh, sorry, a Forbes contributor. So he writes for Forbes. Uh, he loves our product. Okay. Um, he's been watching us for the last year and a bit. Um, and then we, we got connected on LinkedIn, we chatted and then he, he then was watching us very closely and then he wanted to write a piece on us and, um, yeah, it, it happened that naturally. And then we did a whole interview and it was great. And he wrote this whole thing, but you know, usually we find that we either get reached out to, or we find them, the, the contributor or journalist on LinkedIn and we send them our stories to see if they even want to talk about it. And, um, it's been very successful, but for us, a lot of our traffic doesn't come from that. It comes from. Uh, or our organic content on social media and uh, also our um, paid ads that we do with influencers and just uh, paid ads on Facebook and Instagram. That's amazing. That's, uh, that's really interesting to see that. Um, I, I know you have by now over 60 talents uh, that work for uh, MDS. Uh, would you say investing in branding and storytelling about, you know, mid squares helped you recruiting those talents? Because I guess most of our listeners uh, have a hard time right now to recruit uh, staff. So do you think it helped you and in which way and have you experienced like applicants or, or new employees that told you, I really wanted to work here because of that, of your transparency, uh, uh, entrepreneurial uh, story that I've discovered and everything. So we'd love to, to hear you about that. 100%. So that attracts talent, it attracts investors, it attracts buyers, it attracts em employment, it attracts everything because 
when you're telling the story, people know what they're seeing. They know the culture. They know what they're coming into. They know what the whole business is about. And it's very cool to be part of, right? Be part of this new way of communicating with the customer. You know, when was the last time you saw a reality show from a business on how they're building it and just creating content and communicating with the customer in such a unique way, especially in the food and beverage space. Um, and it makes people want to be part of it. So we have a lot of applicants that reach out that are fans of Midday Squares first or customers first and that come and want to work there. So we've been able to grab talent that way, not to say that it is, it is very hard to find the right people for the right jobs. Um, recruiting is really hard, especially at the VP level recruiting. So like when you're looking for executives, um, we use some recruiters now um, for that stuff. But I'm telling you that the brand story and the brand awareness of what we've created allows us to be to play on a field of like the big the big corps that are really cool. Um, and it, it, it attracts talent, high level talent. Of course, of course. And talking about your story and attracting talent, uh, do you think uh, the, the podcast was you know, related to that because I've discovered you had a podcast and amazing. Uh, honestly, I love podcasts and that's why you're here. Um, so I, were you thinking about, again, building the brand while you decided to create a podcast or it was outside of that? What, what were your thinking when you decided to launch a podcast? Yeah. So the podcast has definitely um, been a helper for our industry. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs listen to it and a lot of people It was actually our fastest growing platform. Um, oh, yeah. We haven't done an episode in a while because we've been so busy, but yep. it was our fastest growing one because people were able to relate to it and, and loved it. And they really got to know deeply who we were and who the business was. And we didn't even talk always about um, midday squares. We talked about like our, 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 our per perception on certain things um, and our opinions. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it definitely helps attract a numerous amount of talent because again, it's another way for people to get to know us. And we actually tell our, We tell the new employees that start with us, new team members, listen to the podcast before you come and go read their Google reviews because we really want them to get to know everything about the business before starting. And that podcast allows them to do like deep dives on on big subjects that that went down during during the last couple of years. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, I will have to uh, catch up on those. Uh, uh, I think over 30 episodes by now. So uh, 35. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to get to catch up for sure. <laughs> um, I read in the same article that I was talking earlier that uh, you're looking to expand uh, so Southern uh, America, like North America, so US. Uh, I also saw that funny ad that you did with the transaction uh, <laughs> over <laughs> with a plane, <laughs> like it looked like a drug deal, but with you know chocolate bars. So it was really uh, really amazing. Um, so nice one, by the way. Uh, do you think uh, you'll have to adapt your message? even your flavor, your brand image uh, to fit the U.S. market and how has been the reaction so far? So uh, that commercial was great. And, and we basically treat certain commercials like Super Bowl ads. Uh, they're very funny. And again, it comes back to the importance of storytelling and how relatability and, and uh, you know, creating an emotion for someone actually makes them want to purchase something. So we did that. That was really amazing. But um, for the U.S., we started with our following, our social media following in the U.S. was like, three, four percent in December of 2020. Now it's 30 percent um, already. Oh. And our online sales are about 50-50 right now from U.S. to Canada. So we're actually seeing a lot of success in the U.S. They're loving it. They actually in love how the much concept. Time? Of, in how much time? In seven, eight months. Whoa. So in seven to eight months, by now, you have 50 percent of your sales that come from the U.S. Am I right? Online, not retail. Oh, online. online. Okay, okay. But Just online. Yeah, it's it's still it's amazing. So you've started. It's great. No. So you started influencer strategy also in the U.S. 
and you're, you're that's where the focus was us influencer strategy not mm. canada that's okay that's um, amazing and yeah so our following like it, i just checked today it was like 30 percent um in the us which is amazing 69 percent in canada or something so that's like on 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 our Instagram alone. That's what fifty five thousand divided. By, it's about sixteen thousand people in the U.S. within wow. one year started following us. So the word to mouth spreads quickly, and they love the storytelling. They really do. They see the product on the shelf and and in the fridge. Sorry, and then they see our social, and they're like, "Oh my, I saw these people. I saw someone talking about it." And then it just keeps rolling like a domino effect, right? But you got to keep the story going because without the story and the hype and the fun and the excitement, the drama, the emotions. You don't have that attention barrier barrier broken. You you can't gain their attention. You need to create good fucking content to pass that barrier. Yeah, that's uh yeah for sure. The the content quality is the is the key for sure. That's uh that's really interesting. And um, if we move forward on questions about the marketplaces such as uh, Amazon, um, how it is going uh, right now for you and Amazon and what have been your best improvement and we, if we can say in strategy so far with Amazon? So we use this guy, Ryan Cohen, I think his name is, uh, him and his buddy do it as a side gig. Uh, they basically handle our Amazon account. Uh, they've grown it. It used to be like, I don't know, $15,000 a month. Um, in sales now it's like 50 to 55 a month, um, in Amazing. sales. So they've done a really good job. Um, we're not on prime yet, so it's been a lot harder. Um, we fulfill everything from our facility here in Montreal. Of course, um, because of the chocolate. It's really, really yeah. hard to have uh, chocolate on Amazon and fulfill. But if we product. got prime, I think we would be number one easily. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're doing well. Um, do I think they're going to be a dominant force over time on our, no, our direct business is so strong still. So it's just, a, it's another way to sell more product to new, to more customers. Yes, yes, for sure. And um, have you think about getting the certification to be prime? Because you can be the, the the orders can be fulfilled by your own facility, but you can still be prime with the. It's called fulfilled by merchant prime, so it's a certification based on your uh, your ratings. And uh, I might send you documentation about that uh, if you want. But please send me. That, please that, send that. that would be a good improvement if you want to to grow, but still keep the inventory in house or with with your your uh, yeah. party uh, fulfiller that would uh, that would be good um, also my other question was about um, how are you still able to transmit the vibe and the brand story to customer that go purchase your product in retail I think you've answered a little bit about it but uh, have you tried some marketing strategy on the field, maybe outside of the COVID period, but <laughs> because it might be <laughs> more difficult, but have you tried some, you know, on the field uh, marketing strategy to go uh, do some testing sampling with, with customers? So for sure, demoing is a powerful thing in grocery. People, when people try it, we like to call it bars to bellies. That pushes a lot of dollar value, a lot. Um, Pre-COVID, obviously it was happening. Right now we're trying to get back into it slowly. Um, also speaking engagement. So you know, speaking to offices, speaking to schools, speaking to, you know, conferences, all this stuff, podcasts, this allows for excitement. So then people, they want to go see it in store and they know the product, they know everything. They feel like they're, like I said, they're buying from someone they know, like a friend or a family member. And then plus on top of that, add all our content from social media and our podcasts and stuff like that, which then keeps them in this ecosystem. It, it doesn't let them leave um, because people are so into like fascinated by how come they show everything? They literally, the company, we show everything. Like 
almost everything other than making the bars. That's that's amazing, and and I see also that you're really transparent by just telling your numbers out loud, and you're comfortable with it. And I think it's amazing because people can recognize themselves into your story and see, okay, it, it's not necessarily as big, or oh, it's bigger than what I was thinking, and they're hustling and they're working yep. really hard to to get there. So in in two three years, they will listen back to podcast episode, and they will be. Oh shit! <laughs> it really grew. <laughs> that that's uh, that's amazing. Exactly. That. Yeah. That's the importance. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're entering into the final question. So I'd like to know how do you stay updated on digital marketing, e-commerce, influencer stuff? What are your go-to uh, these days to 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 be informed? So I know my brother-in-law takes care of uh, all that department okay. here at Midday Square. He does the performance and he has all that stuff. But I know that he's on Twitter a lot to find this stuff. He follows okay. some people on Twitter. I would have to get you guys the names of the people. But he sees these great conversations and he has these um, groups of entrepreneurs that they get on like a chat once every like two weeks and they help each other out talking about different successes. And these are a lot of the big companies that are big at e-commerce. Um, but I really think the growth... I think the future of, of, of success in CPG is to, very, is to be very good at omni-channel. We don't want to be an e-com business alone. We, we like the omni-channel approach. It's a way to win big. Not, it doesn't limit you at all. You know, people still like to walk into a store, and we got to remember that. Um, but people also like to order on Amazon or at their house within the convenience of just receiving the product, right? But discovery... Um, is a big thing in our space. And when people go to stores, they like to actually discover, they actually sit there and watch and look at the wall and discover different items. So um, yeah, we, we stay relevant on e-commerce stuff because my brother-in-law Nick is, is, is a fanatic with that. Yeah. And, and I guess most of the time people discover your product, you know, in store and then they buy back online. And that's actually what I, what you want, I guess, because you'll get better margins for sure. So exactly. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's that's a good idea. And uh, what what would be uh, your best advice to give to someone that would like to start an ecom or a business like you? You said earlier that uh, still your uh, stay yourself and go full, you know, in it. Um, do you have other things that come in mind? You have. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable is number one. Put yourself in uncomfortable situations because that's where the greatness comes. That's yes. number one. Number two, um, tell a good story. Seriously. You obviously have to have a great product. That's number one in life. But make sure you have a great story because if you don't, it's almost impossible to relate or connect with the consumers today. It's too difficult. It's too hard. And I think that a lot of brands forget that marketing is not about promoting the product, but it's about um relating to the customer because marketing it, how many times can you tell someone the, the, this shirt is white you only once you want to hear it so in order to keep them in um other than having a great product is to make them your megaphones make the average person a megaphone by creating a relatable thing because if you relate they'll want to share it with someone they'll want to share and talk about it and that creates a mass number of growth on a domino level, if done right. That's uh, that's amazing. Um, thank you so much, Jake. Uh, that was uh, all for, for, for my questions. Do you have anything else you want to add or things that you wanted to share before we, we leave? Uh, Keep being a rock star. <laughs> Keep being a rock star, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much. It was uh, a pleasure. If people have questions or anything, I think they can reach you out on, uh, on LinkedIn or 
or everything else? What what would be the best way to to reach you out? Yes. Um. So you can reach me on LinkedIn at Jake Carls or Midday Squares. Follow us on Instagram at Midday Squares. Um. You could find us our store locator on our website www.middaysquares. If you want to find the product in store or buy it online on Amazon or on our website. Um. And yeah, come watch our stories because you'll you'll see exactly what we were talking about in this podcast. If you if you go watch it and you know IG televisions, IG stories, uh, LinkedIn, etc. That, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Jake. Oh,